0: During these many years that I've been living in Taiwan, I've primarily taught the Bible in Bible colleges, but also in many churches, not just in Taiwan, but also in various other countries in East Asia. Well, what happens when Taiwan closes its borders and I can't travel anymore? Now how am I supposed to minister? What happened is that we wrote to people in different countries and said, would you like to have Bible teaching? And so there I sat in my house, and over Zoom, I taught. Now, as I first learned how to use Zoom, I didn't turn everyone on mute. I thought they would be good, and they would leave leave themselves on mute until they had a question. No. So then I heard piano being practiced in the background. I heard children playing in the background. And I started realizing my students, they don't have the luxury of just sitting in quiet and learning. They have all kinds of distractions. There was a little church in Malaysia that contacted me and said, we are locked down here in Malaysia. We can't do anything. We can't do any ministry. Could you teach us New Testament Greek? Well, I can sit in Taiwan. I can teach them. And because I know them very well, we didn't even use video. I recognized their voices, and they didn't need to see my face. (laughs) They recognized my voice. And so I taught them. But they were a bit different from most places. The missionary wanted me to use English, the three locals wanted me to use Chinese, and we were learning Greek. So we had quite the mixture of languages every day. When I go back to Taiwan, Taiwan keeps changing, I'm not sure exactly what I'll be doing, but each time I've gone to Taiwan, opportunities have come, and I've taken hold of them. Today, I want to look at Hebrews 11, a powerful chapter on faith. As a young man, I read it and I said, Oh, I want to be like those people. I want to be an Abel. I want to be a Noah. I want to be an Abraham. I want to be a Sarah. These are powerful people in their faith. And you read through the whole chapter and you come by and say, God is faithful. But I kept reading the chapter. I kept reading the chapter. I kept reading the chapter. I've read it for many years. Let's look at the chapter. Hebrews chapter eleven Let's see what we find here. Chapter eleven verse four. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. I like that. That would be wonderful. Yes. God commending him, I like that. And through his faith, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Isn't that a powerful testimony? Would you like to be able? None of us here is an able. None of us has been killed by his older brother. Oh, maybe I need to read this chapter a little bit more slowly. Verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear. I like that, reverent fear. He constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. I love that. Yes, that's, that's powerful. That'd be great to be a Noah. Or maybe not. Would I like for God to give me the option today of choosing seven people to go with me on an ark and seeing everyone else die? Every place I've ever been in the world destroyed? all my childhood memories, every familiar place I've ever known in my whole life, and I'm not 600 years old, destroyed? Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed. That's good. Yes, when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. I love that. That's great. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Oh, that's powerful. That's powerful. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land. Oh wait, living in tents. Abraham was a great person. Today he gets respect from people all around the world. Do you want to be Abraham and live in tents the rest of your life? Decades and decades and decades. Oh wait, do I really want to be an Abraham? Well, you keep going. You come down to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Oh, wait. Is that what I want to be challenged to do? Verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. Think of Jacob. Do you want his life? Grew up in a family of tension. Went to live with his uncle who cheated him was cheated in his marriage, and he ended up with a big problem in his family. Came back to Shechem. His sons are murderers. His sons sell one of his sons to foreigners. Uh, His other son is incestuous. And finally, he goes to Egypt to die. Wow. Do I want to be in the hall of faith? And just to keep going, what we read this morning... Verse 33, who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice. That sounds good. Obtained promises, that sounds good. But then it goes on. Verse 36, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. After we read all that, we say, this is a very sober passage. There's a lot of faith there. These are heroes. But is this what I want? Now, there's another challenge in this passage. Let's look at verse 13. These all died in faith. And today a lot of people talk about faith, especially in church. You pray and you'll receive such and such. You ask for this and God will give you such and such. Oh, I love faith. I get what I ask for. Okay, You read in your Bible. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Wait. Is that what faith is? I thought faith was asking and receiving. I thought faith was, if I pray God will give me whatever. Abel, what did he receive? Abraham, what did he receive? He was promised a lot of children. Okay, he had eight sons, that's quite a few, but he was promised a lot more. He was promised a lot of land and he didn't get it. He was promised a good name and he didn't get it. Not in his lifetime. Wait. But when you read the Bible, don't just read half a verse. A lot of people in my life read half a verse. And they say, the Bible says this. It does. It also says the second half of that verse. It also says the whole chapter. It also says the whole book. It also says the whole Bible. So keep reading. Verse 13 says, they did not receive the things promised. Right, but what did they receive? Verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country. Okay, they want something better than what they were promised. That is unheavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So what did Abel receive He received this city. What did Abraham receive? He received this city. What did Noah receive? He received this city. But we're not done with the chapter. Look at verse 39. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Verse 40. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Notice that word better again. I want to be a person of faith. Not just somebody who believes in Jesus and is is born again. I want to be a person of faith in my life, in my daily life. Waking up in the morning and saying, I have a positive faith attitude toward today. I want to have faith in God to see what God will do for me today. I want to live by faith. But what does Hebrews 11 teach us? Wow, these are heroes. They lived powerful lives far beyond ours. And then it says they didn't receive what they were promised. And yet, my topic today is God is faithful. It's easy to look at the life of Abraham. He was promised a lot back then. He did not receive it in his lifetime, but now we, 4,000 years later, say, if I could choose to be anybody in the whole world, in all of world history, I would choose to be Abraham. You choose anybody in the whole world, and he is controversial. Napoleon is controversial. Kings and queens of England are controversial. Presidents of the United States are controversial, right? You go to any city and half the people like you and half don't. If you choose to be Jesus Christ, even He is very controversial today. But if I could be Abraham today, think how many places I could go and everybody would like me. All the Christians would like me. All the Jews would like me. All the Muslims would like me. Who else in the world is that well liked? And when I say like, I mean really, 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 really liked. And since I live 4,000 years after Abraham, I see how those promises have been fulfilled, are being fulfilled, and will be fulfilled. Abraham didn't see that. He looked ahead and said, I trust God. Even if I kill this son, he will rise again. You read in Genesis. I mean, think, think what's weighing on his heart. I'm going to kill my son. I'm going to kill my son. I'm going to kill my son. And they're walking along step after step. I'm going to kill my son. And then he tells his servants, you stay here. We're going to go sacrifice and we will come back. Abraham, why are you saying that? Are you not going to kill your son? Is that what he meant? Why would he walk all that distance and not kill his son? No, it says here, they were going. He was going to kill his son. He was going to do it. But he believed God would raise him from the dead. Now, we know what happened. He didn't kill his son. God stopped him. He killed the ram. And they did come back. But we know the end of the story first. That's not quite fair for us. We know how Abraham had Isaac. The rest of his sons didn't count. Isaac had Esau and Jacob. Esau didn't count. Jacob then had 12 sons, and then we start to see the nation multiply. And now when we see the promise that Paul explains, that if we are in Christ, we're the children of Abraham, you go around the world, you meet children of Abraham everywhere. With my own eyes, I've seen this prophecy fulfilled. And Noah? Yeah, I don't want to live in the wicked world he lived in. But our world is deserving of destruction too. And I don't want to wish that destruction on this world. I don't want the flood to come today. I don't want that destruction to come now. I want God to continue being merciful. But think of that statement that it says. They did not receive the promise. How is God both faithful and not giving them what he promised? I listen to various things on the internet. And a lot of things I listen to, I just listen to once and go on. Some things I like and I listen to twice. But I was listening to someone one time, and I said, whoa, this is good. I started writing things down. He was talking about negotiation. He had done well for the FBI with negotiation, and now he's teaching classes in universities in the U.S. in negotiation. And one thing he said that really gripped me, when you negotiate... Don't be afraid to give up what you want in order to get something better. You know how stubborn people are? I want this, I want this, I want this, but I'm giving you double. I want this, I want, but that's broken. I want this. I, those are stubborn people. He was saying, no. If you're in a negotiation situation, listen to the other person and find out maybe if I give up what I actually want, I can get something better. Now that works for every part of life. It also works in Hebrews 11. What did Abel get? He got a city, yes. Yes the eternal city of heaven. And at the end of chapter 11, it says he got something even better. What is that better that he receives? I purposely asked that we read not just chapter 11, but the first part of chapter 12. As a child, I was very obedient. I read my chapter I read Hebrews 11, and I came to the end, okay? Is that the end? Is that the end? That's not a good stopping place. Now go on to chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, I've heard that so many times, and I had no idea that referred to chapter 11. (laughs) No, these are our witnesses. These are these fantastic, wonderful people they're already in heaven. They're looking down at us and saying, God is faithful. You have faith. Are you complaining? Your older brother didn't put you to death. You didn't lose your whole world. You didn't live in tents your whole time. You didn't walk around in goat skins. You've not been sawn in tubes. let us lay aside every weight. What's important? What is important? I think so often God gives us problems, if you want to call them that, to make us choose what is most important. And so we give up this and we give up that and we hang on to what is most important. Then we find out ourselves what we really like. What really is it that I value the most? Even give up good things, but also give up bad things and the sin which clings so closely, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Keep going. Verse 2. Looking to Jesus. Now remember, when you read this phrase you've got to see it in the context of the whole book. What is the context of Hebrews? What is the context of the whole book? Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than Aaron. The new covenant is better than the old covenant. The whole argument, the whole argument of Hebrews is Jesus is better I live in Taiwan. I've lived in the U.S. many years. Laws affect our lives. And then I read the Old Testament laws. There are many times when I read the Old Testament and say, you know, I wish Moses was in my legislature. I'm not so convinced that we have easier laws in our jurisdiction than what Moses prescribed. God gave us wise laws through Moses. And I think many times we mess them up. But Jesus is better than Moses. The high priest, what an amazing man. Chosen from a special family. Trained from birth. You will be the high priest. You will be the high priest. You may not marry this person. You may not do this. You may not do that. You are prepared for this special day. But Jesus is better than the high priest. Jesus is better than all. Even the promises to Abraham. Even the promises to David. Or whatever else you can imagine. So as you look at Hebrews 11, as you look at Hebrews 12, I want you to step back and say, what really is most important? Yes, I want to be a man of faith. If God wants me to be an Abel, I'm willing to be an Abel. If God wants me to be a Noah, I'm willing to be a Noah. If God wants me to be an Abraham, I'm willing to be an Abraham. It will not be easy, but it will be good. Let's look back at Abel. What was the good thing that he was commended for? Chapter 11, verse 4. He was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. He made those sacrifices. God commended him as righteous. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. All of my life I've heard about Abel and his offering. He took sheep, offered them to God. And from a child, I read through the Old Testament, the Mosaic law, all the way through the New Testament, and you see that powerful image of a lamb, a sheep. Jesus is the Lamb of God, paying for our sin. Already, way back in the time of Abel, this image is being presented, placed before the world. Someone must die for me. I am not righteous because of what I do. I'm righteous because of what Jesus has done for me. Let's look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch, when he was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God has taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. What a commendation. He did what God wanted I don't know about you, the people around me, they all want to do what they want to do. And I'll go someplace and I'll preach, and I keep trying to tell myself, stop doing this, but I keep making this mistake. Someone comes to me and says, would you help me? I sure. And they present their case. What do you think I should do? And I think it through. What does the Bible say? And I say, this is what I think you ought to do. And they look at me. And they walk away. I said, well, why didn't they accept my advice? So then I go and talk to the pastor. Did you know that your member came to me and asked me such and such advice? Oh, yeah, that person asked me the same advice, and I told him such and such. So I told him the same thing. And over the years, I've discovered many people, when they ask me for advice, they don't want advice. What they want is for me to say the opposite of what their pastor said so they can have a reason, an excuse, to do what they want to do. Now, do you want to know what God says or do you want to do something different? Make your choice. Yeah, they do. They do make their choice. And then 10 years later, 20 years later, they come again and say, would you help me out of my mess? I have all these consequences. I don't know what to do. Yeah, they all stemmed from your sin. They all stemmed from that early sin way back there. But Enoch, how was he different? He pleased God. Are you a person of faith? Do you please God? Verse 7, by faith Noah... Being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, he in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Yes, it was constructed for the saving of many people, but the others didn't want to come in. So in the end, it was his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. He trusted God. Build an ark. Why? Build an ark. Why? He did it. I think that if you will just pick up the Bible and you'll just read it, people are going to look at you as if you're building an ark. Why are you doing that? We do things differently today. I know we do things differently today. My father tells the story of someone who was Raising a donkey. And this man had an idea that maybe he could save money if he would feed it less every day. So he got the donkey used to eating three quarters of what he usually ate and then half and then a quarter. And his experiment would have worked except that when he got him down to just one stalk of hay a day, the donkey died. And he didn't know what happened. And I feel like I live among people who are just like that man. Why doesn't God bless my sin? Today we have new ideas. Today we we don't do things like they used to. And then they fall apart. But Noah obeyed, expressing his faith, and became heir to this righteousness. What about you? What kind of person will you be? Are you someone who says, I will believe what God says? Or you will be someone who says, I'm going to do what I want to do. Today, I think we've misinterpreted faith. People think faith means, if I want this, I will get it. No. Maybe God wants to give you something better. Maybe God wants to give you something better. I've come here many times and shown you something many times. And so I'm going to show it to you again. This is just a pot. Looks a bit different, doesn't it? The lid doesn't come off. And there's a hole in the bottom. I think a lot of people today, when they think of faith, they think, well, you know, if I could just cut out this, if God, would you remove that lid? God, would you just close up this hole in the bottom? And God says, no. I'm going to give you something better. And people pray, and they pray, and they pray. God, would you please cut the hole in the top? Would you please stop up that bottom? And God says, no. I'm going to give you something better. The water doesn't come out. Many of you have heard me explain it before. There's a pipe that goes up in the middle. When you pour the water in, the water goes through the pipe. When you turn it over, the water goes on the outside of the pipe so it doesn't flow out. And so now, even though there are obviously two flaws, it works well. And you've heard me say this before. The biggest difference between this pot and any that you have at your house is not the outside. The biggest difference between this pot and the pot at your house is the inside. So when you look at Abel, Noah, Abraham, what really is the difference between them and us? They spoke a different language. They lived in a different part of the world. Their families were different. Many of them lived longer than we do. But that isn't the the issue. What was their heart? And that's what I want to ask you. What is your heart? God is faithful. He will surprise you. But you read this chapter, you see where it says, they didn't receive what was promised. I want you to stop and think about that. Wait, wow. Is God faithful then? Why do we conclude that God is faithful? They didn't receive those details. They received something better. They received Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Oh God, we look at you today, the one who is faithful. We look at these stories of people from far, far, long ago. In some ways, we're frightened, we don't want their lives. And yet, we want their faith. If we have their faith, will we have their lives? But we see that they looked, not just close, at the promises you gave, but they looked far into the distance, at the eternal city, That Jesus will rule. Would you help us lift our eyes to the future? Would you help us to see that city? Would you help us to see the glory of Jesus Christ? Don't let us be blinded by our stubbornness, our desires the details of bad things and the details of even good things that crowd and cloud our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.